Hello, everybody. It's Legends of League, and welcome to Throwback Thursday this week on the podcast. Anthony Maroon is my name. We're coming to you from our studio at Four Pines Brew Pub in Manly. We're geniuses, aren't we? A studio in a pub. Can't do better than that. Uh, talking briefly about the Legends of League tournament, that's what people have asked me to do. And I wanted to tell you that, of course, you know it from when we did it in Newcastle and on the Central Coast. When's it coming back? When's it coming back? We get so many emails. It will be back, the Legends of League tournament. It'll happen post-COVID. So in the meantime, we've got this podcast. We'd like to have both moving forward. Uh, today, old school, one of the great halfbacks, certainly from the Penrith Club, Greg Brandy-Alexander, and another guy who started out with Penrith, the colourful TV and radio identity known as the Big Man, Big Daryl Broman, joins us as well. Let's do it. Legends of League. Well, g'day, everybody, and thanks once again for joining us on another episode of the Legends of League podcast. Thank you for your so, your support so far. A lot of people have joined us because they're asking us about the Legends of League tournament, which is just, well, it's having a little break because of COVID-19, but it will be back, the Legends of League tournament. In the meantime, gee, we've got some big guests today. 265 first-grade games across a couple of clubs, Penrith, then the Warriors, and back to Penrith, and a regular on Fox League, me old mate, Greg Brandy-Alexander. Hello, Greg. G'day, Maroon. Nice to see you, mate. Thank you. Nice to be here. Another Penrith legend too, uh, via Zoom. We just couldn't afford to get Daryl here as well. Uh, And Daryl Broman, who joined the Panthers in 1979. The big man, as we now call him. G'day, Daryl. Maroon, how are you? G'day, Brandy. Hey, Dave. How are you, Big D? Pretty fit, mate, down to 155 kilos. Going great. Hey, uh, how is life in the Shire? Uh, it's a great place to live when there's COVID. Um, it's actually a great place to live when there's not COVID as well. Mm. So, uh, mate, it's pretty good. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know it's been a tough six or seven months for everybody, hasn't it? But you know, I've been lucky enough. I've I managed to keep a job on the radio, and uh, even though we had a de- decreased hours for a little while, it was hard. And, I mean, you'd know that, Brandy, with doing Fox and whatever you were doing, and Maroon, you're the same, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was hard, but, you know, there's a lot of people and a lot worse off than what I am. But, mate, the Shire's a great place, beautiful day to day. Uh, it's warming up, so looking forward to summer. All right, boys, I'm going to talk, uh, basically keep it around Penrith just to keep kick things off. You've both got a couple of great yarns that I want to get to. I'll start with you, Brandy, and then you jump in any time you like, Daryl. But, uh, uh-huh. Brandy, you came into I, – I came into knowing you in 1983. When you're a kid at school and you love rugby league, you know the other schools that have got the great players. You were at Fairfield Patrician Brothers. I was at Marsland College at Ramwick. Mm. We thought we had a good side till our side played your side. Having said all that, I, I wasn't playing, but I was just watching. Yeah. Marsland um, College. I, yeah, I, I look back on my schoolboy days as, I, as some of the best – years of my footy career I, I really do I, like I made my mark and I left Penrith I left St Dom's um, because I had a goal in mind and I thought I want to be a football player and the best opportunity for me to to become a a, a footy player is go to a good school go to a footy playing school yeah uh, that was Fairfield Pats I, I'd met Paul Langmack a couple of years before I went on a tour with him as an under 15 uh, Catholic colleges side that went to New Zealand so I knew Langmack and I thought Right, they're on TV. My best chance to get noticed is to get on TV and um, go to Fairfield Pats. So I, I was on a bus and a train, two trains, to get there. 
through year 11 and, and half of year 12 until I got my license and then I drove. But it was a, it, it was a terrific move because they were some of, I, I, I love looking back at those years. It's amazing how much like focus we used to put on in our day. Again, I was, I was a shit football player, but I love football. It's amazing how much focus, Brandy, we put on that Commonwealth Bank Cup, that midweek cup with John Brennan. We did. We, we did because I, I guess it was, it was a chance for the young players of, of our generation to, to get noticed. You know, there was SG Ball and there was Jersey Flag, but, you know, there was no under-20s competition. There was on television. So that was your chance. If, you know, if you're a schoolboy and, you know, you had hopes of playing first-grade footy, um, you're on telly. That, yeah. that was a huge thing for, for, for the schools too because the schools – and I love playing at Leichhardt Oval when I played first grade because I spent, you know, so many years playing there as a schoolboy. So I had an affinity with Leichhardt Oval and uh, we, we did. You know, I, I know everyone loved sitting up after the Anco Cup watching yeah. the schoolboy game. Yeah. And Daryl, for Just you – Just on Brandy, Maroon. Yeah. Just on Brandy. I was at Penrith in 83 and uh, – let me tell you, everyone was aware of his talent because, you know, everyone was excited that he was going to be playing for the club in, I think, 84 you started, didn't you, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, the next year, D. Yeah. Everyone was excited, but I left at the end of 83 to go to the Bulldogs. I don't know if you remember this, Brandy, but in those days, well, I don't know about you, but they told me there was no signing on fees in 84, so that made a bit of a difference for my... Me not staying there, I decided I was going to go to uh, somewhere else. And I had a choice of going into Parramatta or the Bulldogs. And to be honest, I wanted to go to Parramatta uh, because they'd just won three comps in a row. Um, but I ended up going to the Bulldogs for extra money, mm. which ended up being a great choice for me. You know, you know what, D? I, I, I went and spoke to Dennis Fitzgerald because Fairfield was in the Parramatta yeah. area. And, you know, even though I was a Penrith boy, you could not – help but admire that Parramatta 81, 82, 83 side. So my favourite players, I had my favourite Penrith players like Kenny Wolfe and Rossi Gig and um, yep. a, a couple of uh, – Henry Foster, I loved Henry Foster. and But, you know, my, my idols, the, the ones I really looked up to were like Brett Kenny, Steve Ella. Yeah. And I went and trained – Jack Gibson got in touch with Fairfield and uh, invited me down to train during the 83 season. So I, I ran around – I think it was Cumberland Oval or may, might have been – I don't know where they were training, yeah. Cumberland or Granville or something. Well, they were playing at Belmore in 83, weren't they, because they were rebuilding Cumberland. So I can't remember exactly where the training field yeah. was, but I got to run around with a Parramatta side and I was like starstruck in 83. Schoolboy training with mm. the Parramatta side, chatting to Jack Gibson, and I, I spoke to Dennis Fitzgerald about playing with Parramatta and I, I, I was – you know, I was wrapped that they even wanted to talk to me. Uh, I was never going anywhere but Penrith. But to you know, to listen to uh, Dennis Fitzgerald talk, and I said, "Well, Dennis, um, you know, you've got Peter Sterling and Brett Kenny." Um, and he said, "Well, you know, maybe you'd be a good fullback." And I yeah. said, "And I, I didn't. I, I never really thought of it. You know, I, I. But I was certainly. You know, I thought, wow, this is fantastic to be You're chuffed. Yeah, I was yeah. chuffed, Daryl. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. A, it was a good thing, but." Just back onto the sign-on fees. So I, yeah. I went. I then went and spoke to – they'd organised Roger Cowan because the club was in trouble at the end of 83. Um, well, Charlie Gibson was there and I think Charlie left at the end of 83. Correct. And that's where Tim Sheens came as coach because I think we had – I think Peardy was coach at 83. He was. So and, Johnny uh, Peard was the coach and Tim Sheens yeah. – they brought Tim Sheens into coach. But you're right. The only player – and I, I didn't get a sign-on fee um, – 
uh, I, the only player that had a sign-on fee going into the 84 season uh, was Royce. Royce was the only yeah. player. Everyone else played for match payments. Right. Well, let, just talk yeah. me through that for a second, Brandy, because here you are, the hottest young prospect in rugby league, a team that's just won a couple of premierships wants you, but Penrith are able to convince you to go there on match payments. Yeah, well, well I, was never, I was never going anywhere else. Right. Um, and I'd spoken to the Bulldogs too during my school year because of the uh, – because of the um, because of Paul Langmack, who was playing at the Dogs at that time in '83, uh, Mick Hardis was our schoolboy coach, but he was also the coach of the uh, under twenty three side at at the Dogs. Yeah. So they wanted me to come across the Dogs. I never really spoke to Bullfrog about uh, joining them or, or what sort of money, but I, I was I was happy to play at Penrith for, for match payments. The the money really wasn't the enticer for mm. me. Now, Daryl, when you get to Penrith, that's 1979. That's really – that's real chalky soldiers territory with Gary Petherbridge and Russell Mullins. And for someone like me who grew up in the city of Sydney, back in those days, going to Penrith was like a day in the country, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit. I, well, that's probably what enticed me there. I, I had an opportunity to go to South's. Uh, North Sydney made me an offer. I actually signed a contract with North Sydney. Tommy Bishop, who I'd – played under in Brisbane and played with Tommy, uh, started coaching North Sydney, I think, in 79. I think you'll find that's right. And I, I went out on a drink with him one night and ended up signing a contract and then I, I had a falling out, not with Tommy exactly, but just I, I wasn't happy with what I'd done. So I, I rang up, or well, Penrith got in touch with me um, and they decided, you know, to fly me down and my wife and just have a look at the area and I was really happy with that. So... End of the day, I got out of the North Sydney one and I went to Penrith only because I liked the area. I, I, I was always apprehensive about coming to Sydney because I I just didn't know whether I was good enough. Um, but I, I learned pretty quickly I, I was. You know, the players down in Sydney compared to Brisbane, uh, the comparison to me was in Brisbane there was probably eight or nine first-grade standard players. In Sydney there was 30, mm. you know, could play first-grade. But... Uh, I came to Sydney, and it was on the base of a bloke by the name of Jeff Naylor. I don't know if you recall Jeff yeah. Naylor. Played front row for Balmain. Well, I played all my junior football against Jeff Naylor. He played for Souths in Brisbane, and he came to Sydney and had a crack. And I watched him from Brisbane when I was up there, and I thought, geez, this place going good down here. He's, a pr- he's playing well. He's as good as they are. And I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And I ended up, I ended up getting a gig. Nick Geiger, who was an Australian hooker, at the end of 78, mm. signed with Penrith. Yeah. And I, I'd had a bad year in 78. I'd dislocated my shoulder and missed the whole season, so I was out of sight, out of mind. Anyway, I just said to Nick, mate, can you put a good word in for me? I wouldn't mind having a crack in Sydney. He did. Um, and, you know, they, they came and spoke to me and I decided I liked the area and decided to come down for not much money. I can't remember what it was. I think it was about $10,000 or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't regret it. That I was pretty good money. Great. That, yeah. was, that was all right money back you in reckon? those days. Well, well, yeah, I, not for me. I, not for me, Brandy. I was very talented. <laughs> I, I, I just remember, uh, I, and I, I don't know. You might have played with him, Daryl. Um, I, I just remember seeing, remember reading about Tony Darcy, the the the, uh, the Wallaby yeah, prop, playing with signing with Penrith mm. for forty thousand a year. Yeah, like, and wow. I thought, my God, this bloke must be able to play. Yeah, and he couldn't. Yeah, well, they no. had some like random. It was he, he was. Story, I can tell you a story about. Tony he was a Darcy. short. I was there at the time. Yeah, he I, was short, stocky. He was a great rugby player, but just didn't. He was a make great scrummager. The league. Yeah, he was a good Very scrummager. Good scrummager. Mm. And what he would do when we were playing touch, he would bash you. 
like I was captain, I think, at the time when he was there, all playing touch against each other, you know, between Penrith players. Yeah. He'd bash you. I said, mate, any chance of trying that in the real stuff? When you're <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but I don't want to bag him, but he just didn't no, make no. the transition. Well, he just wasn't he was built hard. for it, was he? He wasn't no, mobile was, enough. No. But the, he was getting like four times what I was getting Huge at the time. money. And, and I thought, oh. so I was a bit pissed off, to be <laughs> there honest. There was a, a couple <laughs> like that. Um, Daryl, there was a couple of hit and miss that didn't. Now, do you remember a bloke named Kent Lambert? All black. Well, Kent Lambert was there. Mate, Kent yeah. Lambert was one was of the great like, trainers. Mm. He, he was there the year before I got there. And he, they told me he used to run up Old Bathurst Road with two bricks in each hand. Wow. And I couldn't run down Bathurst Road. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he, he was a great trainer, but similar <laughs> thing. He just wasn't, wasn't made for rugby league. Mm. Like, he, he, he was a. Kiwi International, wasn't he? He was an All Black, Daryl. Yeah. All Black, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just you know, it was one of those black. short, stocky front rowers that wasn't mm. built to play league because, you know, yeah. in rugby they just sort of r- walk to the scrum yeah. or the or the <laughs> breakdown. They just walk yeah. to the breakdown. Whereas in league, you know, unless if you're not mobile, well, you you're out of the game. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. Uh, but just cast your mind forward just for a second, Daryl. I want to talk to you about, because both you and, and, and Brandy have had careers where you're at Penrith, left Penrith, went back to Penrith. You mentioned earlier that you were at the Dogs and when you were playing at the Dogs, so was Gus Gould. Tell us the story about when you're in the, well, you're getting flogged one day and you're both in the try line and somebody was yeah. uh, hurling abuse at Gus. Well, it was, we were playing reserve grade. I think it was 85 and uh, we'd had won the comp in 84 and I'd had a big off season, went away, trip away, didn't train too hard. Came back thinking it was pretty easy. Anyway, played a lot of reserve grade in 85. And so did Gus. And at this day, we're playing Illawarra, who were, you know, shit first grade side. So you can imagine, we're playing reserve grade, by the way. So (laughs) so you imagine how poor their reserve grade side was. We had blokes, you know, internationals, and we had a lot of players who should be playing first grade. And most of them weren't happy about it, you know, playing reserve grade. Anyway, we're playing Illawarra, had a crap side. They're leading 32 nil at half time. Our coach comes in and gives us a hell of a dressing down. He was right. We, we weren't having a go. It was terrible. Anyway, we thought we'd better start the second half well. We kick off. They get a penalty. From the penalty, it was one of the old days, winger in. And their winger, I can't remember who he was, but he was about 70 kilos. Just ran straight between me and Gus and scored <laughs> under the sticks. So this is a Belmore Oval. We revert back to the to the end where there's houses, not the train line down at Bel- yeah. Belmore Oval. We're defending that end. And if you know Belmore Oval, the houses are probably 20 metres away from the try line. They're, they're very close. Anyway, we're standing behind the try line, waiting for the Illawarra bloke to kick the goal. Next minute I hear a window open and the bloke puts his head out and yells out, hey, girl, why don't you piss off back to Penrith? We all heard it because there's only about 2,000 people there and I thought, oh, geez, that's not very nice. <laughs> so I waddled over to Gus, tapped him on the back and said, Gus, don't worry about that dickhead. You're going Okay then wandered back to where I was standing. Next minute I hear the window open again. The same bloke puts his head out and says, and take your fat mate with you. (laughs) It's an old story, but it is, it's pretty true. It's pretty true. So we just both snuck back to halfway and continued to try and do our best in the second half. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. It is, isn't it, mate? But it's amazing how we see this club now Emerge to what it is today. Penrith is one of the heavyweights of the rugby league, as is Penrith, the district, one of the biggest, um, you know, centres of uh, economy in the state of New South Wales. Penrith's a great place. Restaurants, clubs, gyms, all sorts of entertainment facilities. It's come a long way, as has the club 
and it must have been an amazing Sure, Brandy, you were there to play in that first grand final, but more importantly, in '91, you were there when they first won a grand final. What was that like? Well, it was. It, yeah, I think it changed the area. I, you know, for we'd been in the comp. What '67 we came in. Uh, we made our first semi-final in '85. So, and we built to that grand final. It, it didn't just happen. It was, it was five or six years in the making, and uh, we lost that '90 grand final to the Raiders, who were a great side, and. You know, we, we had a really good year, 91, uh, won the minor premiership and fortunately got away with the grand final. 12-6 at halftime, we were down. It was looking like it was going to be a repeat of the 1990 grand final. But, uh, you know, it, it, when we got back there, the, you know, and I, I th- it changed the, the area. The, the area needed to, you know, I think needed to win a comp for it to, to realise that they belonged in, in the NRL or in the ARL at that time because Daryl and you were there in the early days uh, Penrith it had a, a real underdog feel about yes. it and it, and it uh, needed to to put its stamp on the on the game I, I feel that the other sides and other players you know looked down their nose at us and even, even the supporters you know just thought they were Penrith players and Penrith people were lower class citizens mm. you know and, and I think given the fact you did win that comp in 91 um, I agree. I think it just gave everyone a, a massive lift in the area. I wasn't living in the area at the time, but I, I'm sure it just gave everyone a massive lift. I was so happy for you guys because, you know, that, that side had been put together bit by bit. You'd been there, as you said, since 84. You'd been there a little while, but but Royce had been there all along when I'd been there, and, and, and Royce went through the tough times, and he also was there, scored two tries in the grand final. What a mm. fitting farewell it was for him. You yep. know, I just love the fact that he was there, and, and all the good blokes like Cardi and MG, and you know Vandevort, and, and all those blokes. I mean, yeah. Gubba Walker, all of them. You know, Brad Izzard, who was a hell, hell of a player. Hell of a I player. I played with Brad Izzard. I played with Brad Izzard, and he was a gun. Yep. He was a really good player. If you would have put him in the early days in a successful side, what a player he was. Mm. Scarter, brilliant. Yep. You know, Scarter was on the periphery when I was finishing and you know it was just great to see those those young blokes who matured into quality players and representative players you know win that first grand final and it was a, you know couldn't have been a better time for the club in the area and Gus I should say Daryl I was going to speak about Gus Gould who's had a you know been influential in both your careers on and off the field mm. start with you Daryl because um, do you credit Gus with having something to do with your uh, multimedia identity now and who got you a start as a radio commentator at 2KA the old radio 2KA with the great Barry Sandry um, I, I, I think Gus did play a role in it I, I was living with him I'd split up from my wife and I came back to um, Sydney in 1980. Uh, 1989 to coach the Bulldogs second grade side. I'd actually coached the Broncos reserve grade side in 88, first year they were in the competition. I finished playing in 87. I got a call from Bennett, Wayne Bennett, to say, would you like to come up and coach the Broncos Reggies? And I was going home anyway. So I thought, yeah, I would. So I went up there. I was shocking, terrible, had no (laughs) idea what I was doing. And Bennett knew that and he sacked me at the end of the year. I always say he sacked me because he thought I was a threat. Now, I'm not convinced that's not true, but it probably is. Anyway, I got sacked. I was doing nothing and my marriage had split up and now the, now the Blue Gus gave me a call. He said, do you want to come back to Sydney and coach the reserve grade here at the Bulldogs? So I jumped at the chance, to be honest with you. I decided to go back and, 
Uh, you know, I was no good at that. I followed him to Penrith in the early days when, when Brandy was playing there still and when they won the comp. And, you know, I was supposed to be an assistant coach. But all I was doing was standing around eating donuts, drinking coffee, doing nothing. <laughs> to be really honest with you, I did nothing. And then the radio out of the blue, the great Brian Sanders rang me one day. He said, look, I know you're finished with footy. Would you like to get involved in uh, the radio up there? 2KA. Because they used to call all the Penrith games. And I thought, well... Yeah, I'll do it. I think I got $60 a game or something like that. And we called, I think, all the Penrith games. Yeah. And just happened to coincide with their rise to stardom. I think it was 91, the first year I was there. Mate, I've had a job just about in the media ever since. So I've had a fantastic career. But Gus, I think Gus was responsible for me getting on television, mm. you know, for the years I was on the footy show. He he had a word to who was in charge at nine in those days. And I got a start there and, you know, had a, had a well, great I know 12, 13 years there. It was great. Yeah. He, he, Gus is a great – I've worked with Gus too. I love Gus. But he's one of these guys that he does polarise people, doesn't he, Brandy? Uh, t- talk to me about those early days because if we think about it, 80, 80s coaching the Dogs and the Dogs win the Premiership. Yeah. Now, he couldn't have been 30 at the time. He might have been 29. Maybe he yeah, was I just think, 30. Yeah. May, maybe. Yeah. But that's all. Yeah. That's all. And then he goes over 88, Then and by 90 he's at Penrith, he's coaching it. So by the time, by 1991, he's had three grand finals and won a couple of premierships. Now, if he's 32, 33, mm-hmm. I mean... That's uh, it. That's an amazing, amazing... I don't, I don't think there's another person in the game like Gus, and, and Daryl knows him well, and uh, Gus... <laughs> You know, if and people ask me who who was the best coach you had, it, it's and I had Tim Sheens at the start of his career, and and I, Tim's a terrific man, and a, he was a great coach, fantastic coach. And I had Ron Willie, and you know I've had Bob Fulton, um, John Money. I've had I've had a lot of coaches and representative coaches. Mm. Gus is by far the best coach I've ever had. Gus can make Gus could get the best out of anyone. Um, you know, and we talk about Craig Bellamy now as, you know, that person that can, um, you know, he, he, he has players come to the club that are, their careers have been finished, basically, but he can get them to do a job. Uh, Gus has the most brilliant rugby league mind, I, I think, out of anyone. Yeah. And Gus is the only person that can do what he's done in the game. Best commentator in the game, best coach in the game. Um, he was our general manager at Penrith for eight years and got us back, back on our feet um, there's no, I don't think there's another person that can cover the amount of roles that Gus has done in the game and, and do them so well. Yeah. Be, be top level at all of them. Top, top level, but that's because he's yeah. got a brilliant mind, mm. which can sometimes, well, he, he, which can sometimes yeah. turn a little dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah well, he, he, well, he's like that, isn't he? I mean, one day he can be your best mate, next day he doesn't want to talk to you. you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the way it is sometimes. But, but if you can live but, with that, it, it's no problem. Like if you know what Gus is yeah. like, it, you, well, that's, yeah. that's Gus. Yeah. But, you know, but, but Gus, you, you're right, Brandy. He, he is he's the best motivator that I've ever seen. Uh, he's probably the best tactician. He's just good at everything when it comes to football. And mm. when he says something, and he's not always right. And I've said this to him before. I don't think you're right all the time, Gus. He said, I oh, know that, I just say it. Mm. You know, but, <laughs> but he's, he, he's not always right and no one is. But he, 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 can, he can work people out really, really quickly. Players I'm talking about here and probably a lot of other people as well. Mm. He works them out very quickly and he works out whether he likes them or doesn't like them, particularly people – you know, media people outside of yeah. his friends. He's, he's got a he's got a circle of friends, and I think they're pretty loyal. I'm one of them. Yep. Uh, but but I, I see times where I think you know you shouldn't have done that, Gus. 
you know, yeah, but but, but I suppose but for a, you know when you're at the top and when when you're making decisions and and Gus is whatever he does, he's always at the top. You know, whether it's a club coaching or in the media, you're always going to say things or do things that you know people don't agree mm, with. Mm. But but Gus lives with that, and that's yeah. you know, that's just that's who he is. But it, even as a player, though, Daryl Gus. And this is what we forget, I think. He, he goes from Penrith to Newtown. In 81, he's at Newtown. Newtown make the grand final. Then he goes to Penrith, uh, beg your pardon, the Bulldogs when Warren Ryan is there and they are constantly playing in grand finals. Then he goes to South in George Piggins' uh, maiden year as a first-grade coach and they come like second or third and they were nowhere the years leading up to that. Yeah. And they will all these clubs will credit Gus mm. to some level. He, 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 he was a... I know he gets wrapped as a, as a commentator and a coach and, and a motivator and all that stuff. He was a hell of a footballer too. He could play. Mm. He was a very skillful. He's a ball player. He could put blokes through gaps. He was tough. You know, he, he was a very, very good player. And in those days when I was with him at, at the Bulldogs, I mean, it was, you know, it was probably when I went there, I thought, oh, it's probably going to be me or Gus. You know, we're probably vying for a spot here, but I, I was probably fortunate enough even though I copped a couple of injuries, he copped a couple of injuries as well, and they were at separate times. So I ended up playing in the 84 grand final, which is still the highlight of my career. Mm. I'll never ever forget it. You know, and Brandy, you, you played, I didn't play for Australia, but, you know, you played for your state, Australia, won premierships, whatever. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what's your favourite uh, memory for rugby league? Oh, oh it's, it's winning a grand final, Daryl. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. for sure. Well, you know, it it, it, it it outstrips those personal achievements of playing for Australia and mm. playing for for mm. your state. Um, I think because you know you go through so much with these players, not just in one year, but you know, as I said, for we, we were building and it was, it was a pretty similar side or young group of Penrith players in that side from eighty five to ninety one. So yeah, winning winning comp, I would say, would be at the top of the the ladder for most players if they had to say what's the best thing you've done in the game. Yeah, and uh, Daryl, uh, in, in origin is something we've seen develop into what it is now that, you know, most people would say that, you know, the showpiece of the game, players getting paid $30,000 a year to play origin. Uh, the great Gary Hambly told me once that he got $100 to cover his eating expenses in the first game. But let me talk yeah. to you quickly about when you played Origin in 83 and you got elbowed by Les Boyd, which by any uh, – in any any decade of any era, uh, for mine, uh, that's just a cheap shot. To come out of the line and shove your elbow in someone's face is just a cheap shot. Well, mate, I, you know, I've been through this you know, a million times. Yeah. I mean, it's 1983. We're 2020 now. It's a long, long time ago. And, you know, I've been through it a number of times. I sued him whether I did the right thing in doing that or not. I still don't know. I say that every time. I still don't know if I did the right thing. Um, you know, but, but that, yeah, it's done and dusted now. I, I, it was only the fifth ever State of Origin game, you know, mm, wow. first game in 83 because I think they had – I think they had one in 81. Might have been the sixth. I can't remember. Might have been one in 81, one in 82. Mm. Oh, no, must have had three. Anyway, it was very early days. But I, I knew the significance of it because Arthur Beetson was our coach in that game. And I'd, I'd been battling along, playing okay at Penrith, but I, I was actually having a pretty good season in 83. I, I, I played really, really well. And then out of the blue, I got a call from Beetson saying, look, you're in line for a state of origin spot. And I thought, oh, geez, how good is that? I'd love to play because I was – 27, I think, at the time, and I thought my time had gone for, you know, playing rep footy. But I, I got the call and ended up getting in the side. It was amazing. Like there was 
Wally Lewis, Gene Miles, Mel Meninga, you know, just legends here. And I thought, Jesus. Again, similar thing to when I came to Sydney. I said, I hope I don't embarrass myself here in that game. And it was, you know, I can't remember the week. It was just went and came and gone. And, you know, unfortunately, I broke the jaw in the game. I was, I was so disappointed because I was picking an Australian side um, that night. And, I, and I, I was playing all right at the time. I know I only had 10 minutes or so, but. You know, I, I felt I was a chance, but it didn't happen. And, you know, I, I, I sort of moved on. Yeah. Sort of, no. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. You know, and and Daryl came back for a stint back to Penrith. Yes. So, so he returned yeah, as a, a premiership winner. So that was a big thing yeah. with us young blokes at 86, 87. Well, well 86, uh, Tim Sheens was still the coach then, and he got me very fit. He, made, he told me I wouldn't play first grade unless I got to 95 kilos. And I was probably playing at 105, you know, and I thought, well. Now, was right. 86 so I went on a diet. Was 86 the yeah. year that you had to make the time trial? Was that was that, <laughs> well, that or was that, that 87? No, that was more 87. That was 87. That, that was, was a, a disaster. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you that story. But that was a disaster. I came back. <laughs> I, I did drop the weight and ended up playing State of Origin again in 86. In yeah. 86, after losing the weight, I, you know, Sheenzy turned me from one of the most celebrated ball players in the history of the game into a tackling machine. <laughs> so <laughs> I was making like 35 tackles a game. I thought, shit, what am I doing here? This isn't me. But, uh, mate, Sadie, so I, I enjoyed, you know, and I don't want to embarrass you, Brandon. One of the reasons I decided to go back to Penrith was I, I felt like I had some unfinished business there. I wanted to play with some of you blokes. I wanted to play with, you know, Brandy was there and I, the emergence of, of, Cartwright and, and Guy and those blokes. I just thought, you know what, I'd really like to have a run with them. And, and you know, as it turned out, I ended up, I think I um, I had a shoulder. I think I, I played. We had a good year. Second State 86. of Origin. Mm. Yeah, we were having a good year. And I, I played State of Origin. Then I, I came back. Now, what happened? In, I'll just explain. In those days, if it was a dead rubber, because New South Wales had won the two. Two, uh, first two first games. Two State of Origins. Yeah. And I was called up for the second State of Origin. Anyway. Prior to the third state of origin, which I was selected in, you could play for your club on the weekend before if, if you know, it was a dead rubber. Mm. So it was a dead rubber. So because we were playing the Bulldogs, I thought, well, I better play because, I'm, you know, I've had a couple of years of the Dogs and I should play. Anyway, I hurt my sh- – I think it was my shoulder. I can't remember. Uh, but I missed, I missed a number of weeks. And I, I, I came back for one last game. And I, I remember this because I saw it on video the other day. Jeez, I played good against the Sharks. We demolished them. <laughs> but it was, that was, I had one more game for the end of the year and it was great times, you know. It was good. Yeah, they but were. On the, on the time trials, Tim Sheen's brought in a time trial component in 1987. And I'm trying to remember, from memory, I think the backs had to run two and a half K in nine and a half minutes. Correct. And the forwards had to do it in 10 minutes. Yes, that's right. Well, I couldn't run down, a, you know, couldn't run down a, a, a you know, a, a, a shaft or anything in that period of time. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I remember I was in the first grade side before we did the first uh, run and then by the time we'd done the run, I was on the bench for the seconds. Mm. So I thought, that was that's a, that, not good. So Tim Sheen's brought in this rule that yeah. if, if forward, you, ha- you had to run under 10 minutes, otherwise you didn't play first grade. And the backs had to do it under nine and a half minutes. So Brad Izzard was like like Daryl. Like yeah. Brad just wasn't built to run yeah. – Two and a half Ks under nine and a half minutes. So we, we played most of the season without two of our best wow, players yeah. because they couldn't mm. run a time trial. So Tim was a great coach, but that was a terrible rule. Yeah, right. Terrible. Yeah. So oh, we I think, mi- 
I think I think he amended it when he went to uh, Canberra. Uh, Canberra, yeah. yeah I don't think because we we ended up having a pretty good reserve grade. So Graham Murray coached our reserve grade side. And we ended up winning the comp. They won the comp. Yeah, right. Last year. Mm, yeah. But we missed so out we, on we, these blokes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one well, day. Yeah, M- MG played in that. Like, we had a good reserve grade side. MG was in yeah, it. I but I remember that one day yeah. there was me and Cardi, and we were desperate for Daryl to be playing first grade. So we'd finished our time trial. He still had a bit to go. So we, we both picked him up about 100 metres out, grabbed his shorts, both of us, <laughs> me on one yeah, side, Cardi yeah, on the yeah. other. And ran him as quickly as we could. Just we were almost dragging Daryl to the well, to the yeah. to the finish line. We were we were dragging him yeah. for the last hundred meters yeah. just so he could get under the ten minute mark. Did he get it? He got it. Yeah. But, but, but then he yeah. didn't get it but, next week. Oh. <laughs> no, mate. I'll tell you what, what. One of the things that happened there, if you didn't do it on the Tuesday night, you had to run it again on the Wednesday to try and break it, and then on the Thursday prior to training. So. I'd, I'd missed out on the Tuesday night. I didn't do it on the Wednesday. I remember getting to training on the Thursday and I went up to Graham Murray and I said, hey, Mars, I've taken some insurance out on, on this, whether I do this run or not. Get the time. He said, what have you done? I said, I've put a carton of beer in the fridge. I don't think I'll be playing on the weekend. <laughs> so, you know, it was just – that's just the way it was. It ended up yep. – it, it was a it was sort of a sweet and sour end of my career at Penrith. We did win the reserve grade mm. comp, and I did get to play under Graham Murray, who's just a great man. You know, it's sad that he's no longer with us. He was a fantastic – he was a great coach too. Great coach, great bloke, you know. But I got to spend time with a lot of, lot of you know, the blokes who were sort of just – Below first grade standard was good. Hey Daryl, I, I and and Brandy, I'll throw this one at you. I did I did look at in with interest at your best Penrith side ever, mm. and there was some. Um, uh, yeah. I know some big emissions in well, that it, well, side. There was, and yeah. and it was very hard. To, yeah. it was a very hard job to to you know whittle it down to. Who was your front row? Well. I, I, all I know is I can't remember who was there now, you but I just know Daryl wasn't there, <laughs> and 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 it was such a hard decision to yeah. to leave the big man out of the side. Mm. You know, even though I I played two years with him, not that he played much in '87, but he played in '86, and I did I loved my time playing with Daryl. I, I I'd often say to people, I you know I you know when we talk about footy and I love playing with Daryl Broman. He was such a good player. Yeah, like right. he was so mm-hmm. clever with the ball and yeah. and brought a bit out in me that you know I. I hadn't realised, um, but when it came down to it, I think I went. I think I went Nobby Clark. Yeah, who, who, Nobby Clark. Oh, that's, so that'll do. No, that's, <laughs> I did win a oh, premiership with Nobby, <laughs> not, and played. Oh, you won a premiership with him, but he just had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Nobby. He was only playing in the side because you had injuries galore. <laughs> <laughs> Nobby Clark. This is. I mean, that that is close to the most embarrassing day of my life when I read that. And that. <laughs> Nobby Clark, Brandy put him above me. Oh, He's no. not a bad bloke though, but geez, he won't shout. <laughs> but you are. We're eighteenth man. No, Daryl. Yeah, he was 18. Yeah. <laughs> I've made a lot of 18s, man, haven't I? <laughs> no, mate, oh, i got to say, p- playing with Brandy was a was a dream for me too. I, I, as I said before, before he started, I, I read about him and then I started watching him play. And I remember a game we played, I think it was against South, so I, ca- I can't recall. He, he might have been playing fullback this day. And Did you play fullback in 86? No, I don't think I, I did. did. No, no, I didn't. I, anyway. I don't think I, I didn't move to fullback until Ron Willie um, came okay. on the scene, so 88, 89. Uh, well, anyway, some, for some reason you might have been at the back. Maybe someone got hurt. Anyway, yeah, probably. I remember that someone, they kicked a ball 
South kicked the ball to, to you and you got and I sort of turned around and started walking back. So what's he going to do, this bloke now? And then Brandy kicked the ball and I thought, oh, Jesus, what's he doing? <laughs> this is on the zero. Tappy's kicked it. Next one, I turned around and had a look and there was space everywhere. The ball, ball just bounced brilliantly for him. He picked up, picked it up, ran and scored under the sticks. You remember that? Yeah, I went from give, I ran from giving it to him saying, this bloke's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> now, before I we, don't remember. Before we wrap this up, boys, <laughs> um, the current Penrith side, as we speak now, they are on a massive winning streak. They lead the comp. Mm. They've lost one game. Are they going to win the premiership, Brandy? I, I think they can. Like, you know, and they've, they've gone well enough this year to, to do it because I, I don't think there's – I don't think there's many weaknesses in them and they're not relying on – any one part of their game or any one player. So their game's really mm. solid. Their defence uh, is good. Their attack is so much better than it has been over the last couple of years. But, you know, you look at Melbourne and the Roosters and if they both have their their strongest lineups ready for finals footy, they're, they're going to be hard to beat. But I, I've been yes. so impressed with our blokes. They've, they've had a great year. Randy, uh, uh, Daryl? I, I agree. Uh, they've had a fantastic season. I think there's only three hopes. I, I like the Roosters. I just think, you know, when it comes to the crunch, they've got the class everywhere. They've got the experience. And if they're all fit and re- raring to go, uh, they're going to be hard to beat. But, geez, the Penrith have been tremendous. I, I'm, I'm like everyone. I sort of keep watching them. And I think, well, they've got to have a down day soon. They, they've got to. But they haven't. Mm. You know, th- I think there was a there was a game was last weekend when they played the Tigers and they were down, I think, 6-0. They could have been down 12-0. I thought, oh, maybe this is the one where they've just taken the foot off the pedal. But And this isn't easy to do. They just switched on instantaneously and their defence lifted and they just started smashing the Tigers. And in the end, they, they beat them easily. I think it was 30-6 to six or yeah. something like that. Mm. They beat them easily. Now... To be able to turn on and turn off in a game is really difficult to do, but they've got the ability to do it. They've got so many young players there. have got so much ability. I, I love uh, Cleary. I just think he's a fantastic young player. He's leading him beautifully. He kicks beautifully. He's got a level head on his shoulders. And he, he's a fantastic How good's he player. Going? But that, he's going so good. Mm, well, you know, I know he, he missed, he missed the, the take six points off him in the Dallium. I mean, he can still win it. I, other, yeah. He can still I, win it. I, I think he's been the best player in the comp this year. The most consistent. Well, I, yeah. The most consistent as well. Well, but you, well, he just directs him around the park. His defence mm. is good. He's got a bit of aggro in him now. I, not, I haven't really noticed that in the past, but this year he's – Aggressive. I think he knows how good he is. He is aggressive. He's, he's a good. He's a. He's got everything. Yeah. Kick everything. Mm. Well, you make the point that they don't rely on any one player, mm. but yeah, I'd hate to see him without Nathan Cleary. Oh yeah. Well, but yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter who the side is. Every Nathan side. Cleary is like Cameron Smith. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, well, in the Roosters, I. Who, who do you think – is it James uh, Tedesco or is it Luke Keary? Mm, yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, it's Luke – either either of those two. Yeah. So you take, yeah. you know, Cleary, Cameron Smith, either Tedesco or Keary out of that side. Well, they they, they drop considerably. Yeah. All right, Daryl, thank you so much, mate, for joining us on the Legends of League podcast. We'll catch you on your award-winning uh, radio show on 2GB. Mm. We do win a lot of awards. I'm not really <laughs> sure how that happens. But for some reason, we do. Yeah. But anyway, I, lo- I love doing it. It's, it's a, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. Maroon, thanks for having us. And Brandy, good to see you, mate. Good on you, D. Thanks, good on mate. you, Daryl. And Brandy, we'll catch you on Fox League, mate, on NRL 360 or on coverage of one of the many, many games. Thanks, Maroon. You having fun? Yeah, love mm. it. How I, good. Yeah, no, it's great. Love, you put the TV on, you can watch nothing but footy. Is this a great country or what, as they say? 
Yes, mm. I agree. Mate, all the very best for your Panthers and we'll catch you again. Thanks, mate. Okay, this is the Legends of League podcast. We're coming to you live at the Four Pines Brew Pub in Manly, so give it a try, the beautiful uh, Four Pines beer. Or what have we got this week? The beautiful boozy seltzer from Brookvale Union, locally owned and operated. This is the good stuff. This is the mother's milk. See you next time on the podcast. Well, we enjoyed that one. Hope you did too. Another episode of our Legends of League podcast. Thanks to our brand partner, Four Pines Brewing Company. You can give them a follow on social media. We'd love it if you did at Four Pines Beer or the website, fourpinesbeer.com. Be sure that you subscribe to Legends of League podcast so you never miss an episode. And you can show us your support too by rating the show or leaving us a review. See all the best bits and the big announcements too on our social media at Legends of League AUS. Anthony Maroon is my name. Keep following the NRL. Keep supporting the Legends of League podcast. And we'll see you next time. 